The Adam Crowley Show. Cindy Crosby got rubbed by the glove on power play. And they're... Did I say rub? You guys looked at each other like I said rub, didn't yeah, you? And then you added by the glove. Oh, you got rubbed by the glove? You're going to have to yank that one, Tom. Please go ahead and pull that for me. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Vince Williams says I can't use his card at training camp. Talk to Dale Lolly about this coming up in about 19 minutes here on the show. Had some joker tweet in. Can you remind people it's soccer? Why do we care? People care, man. It's the World Cup. Also, just as many people watched the round of eight games here in this country as the NBA round of eight games. So, we all know people care about the NBA. And if the same number of people are watching... I think that means that people care about the World Cup. It's also great theater, great drama, and it's July 11th. There's nothing else freaking going on. Nothing. Put this one up on the Twitter poll. At underscore Adam Crowley. If you qualify for the third place game, should you just go home? I mean, why are we doing the third place game? Like, I get in the Olympics. You're winning medals and everything else. Why are we doing it in the World Cup? Do you even get a trophy? Do you get a trophy? I'm sure there's a third-place trophy. Why the hell do you want that? I mean, I'm sure Croatia should be okay with it, but England, my God, they don't want that thing. You think Belgium wants the third-place trophy? It'll be entertaining. Do the fans get as wild about it? They can't get as wild about it. Tom, there's no way they Not get as wild. Not a chance. No way they're going to be having those watch parties for the third-place game. They're, they're going to be in their rooms crying. Man, they've got to be devastated right now. They had their hearts absolutely ripped out. They were up one nothing. Croatia, two-goal comeback. I mean, you feel for them. Five minutes in, they scored, did England, to make it a one nil game. I forgot about that. So they're sitting on a one nothing lead until like the 65th minute, and mm-hmm. then it just all just starts to come unraveled. That's terrible. And they missed some big opportunities, too, in the first half. Harry Kane missed a chance. He was the next great Brit. I mean, that guy was going to go back home and get laid whenever he wanted to. And now he's the guy who couldn't convert to make it a 2 nothing lead. If it's 2-0, it's over. If it's 2-0, Croatia ain't coming back. So now Harry Kane goes from beloved star to just the GOAT. And not in a good way. Not in the Pele way. But in the, oh, Harry Kane, y'all screwed up, man. Like the goaltender against the United States four years back. He let the ball go through his legs. Anyway, enough soccer talk. We'll bow down to the wishes of the Twitter man now. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. The NFL found a way to punish players for kneeling during the National Anthem. And the way that they've done it is they find the verbiage, conduct detrimental, and they use that. As an umbrella statement to punish players forever, whatever they want to punish the players for. Roger Goodell can use that verbiage to punish these players for whatever the hell he chooses. Now, employers can tell an employee what to do in most cases. They can't discriminate based on gender or sexual orientation or race or creed, but they can set forth guidelines and rules that you don't, that you do have to follow. The NFL is no different there. Owners tell their players. They don't want them to kneel during the anthem. That's their right. 
But the league dropping the bomb that players can be fined and suspended for it, that ain't right. The way they did it ain't right. They lump it into the conduct detrimental. That's typically reserved for dudes who beat their wives, do drugs, or to a lesser extent, miss meetings and such. If they can apply conduct detrimental BS to whatever they want, then I think that sets a terrible precedent, and that's what the National Football League Players Association needs to fight. How far can they go with that? What's next? Player praise on the field? and They're going to get lumped into conduct detrimental? Well, of course, that would never happen. But if you can say that about kneeling during the National Anthem, when no one's getting hurt, what else can you use it for? That's what the National Football League Players Association has to push back on. And we'll see if they successfully can. The problem is, the way that the CBA is written, what are you going to do to Roger Goodell? Man, I think Roger's got to go. I've thought that for a long time. But look at what's happened around the National Football League the last couple of days. The allegations come out against LaShawn McCoy, a pit guy, by the way. And then, of course, we see Pac-Man Jones, the West Virginia guy. He beats up an airport security dude today. Pettigrew got arrested. Someone else got arrested for attempted murder. And now you've got the anthem controversy resurfacing here on July 11th, which is the time of year where you don't want these kinds of things to resurface because it's what we will talk about. Now, it's not good times for the NFL. They're still making money hand over fist. But if... I'm the fans. I want to see someone new come up in there. The owners, they like what Roger Goodell's doing for the most part. But I want someone else up in there. Someone else who can maybe earn the trust of the players. Tim Benz mentioned it earlier on in the program. The NBA, they believe in Adam Silver. They believe in that guy because of what he did to Donald Sterling. And... He, in the league itself, allows its players to demonstrate. They were wearing the I Can't Breathe t-shirts. They'll make concessions for the players because they know that it's a game about the players. The NFL, the owners, man, they think it's all about them. They really do. And the players need to have a little bit more say. But the NFL, the owners, they know that. They know that they want more say. I think that's one of the reasons why this all came down the way it did in the first place. I think that's one of the reasons why they never tried to discuss it with the NFL Players Association. Because owners can now use this as a bargaining chip the next time there's a meeting when the CBA is finally up. NFL players want guaranteed contracts. NFL players don't want to play 18 games. NFL players want to be able to smoke weed. NFL players want to be able to have the freedom to do some demonstrations. And... The league wants 18 games. And this is just another thing that they have in their back pocket that can be a negotiating chip when these things finally come to light. When they're sitting down at the table, that can be a starting point right there. The NFL owners, they can sit down and they can say, all right, what do you want to tackle first? Drugs? The kneeling? What do you want to go for? Sure, we'll give you the kneeling. Sure, we'll give you the drugs. Just play a couple more games. It's a posturing, and I think that the NFL owners have done a really good job of that here. It offends me. I don't like the way they've gone about the business under the guise of a compromise, right? 
Well, the players will be happy because the players, well, if they don't want to be out there, they could stay in the tunnel. And the fans, they'll be happy because they don't have to see players kneeling down and disrespecting the national anthem. The president, he'll be happy because he won't have to see the same thing. And we'll all just live happily ever after. Of course it was never going to work out that way. And I think now, the more time I've had to reflect on it, they knew it was not going to work that way. And they knew it was going to come up at the next CBA. They knew it was going to be a battle. Good move by them. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I tweeted out, looks like England will be coming home about a week early. And people are freaking out because they got to play the third place game. They're calling me a buffoon because I don't know anything about soccer because I forgot about the third place game. And Braden now tweets, you're such a shock jock. It's only a day early. You'll never be Madden. Should I amend the tweet then, Tom? Should I say, should I say, looks like England will be coming home about a day early? No. Okay, you shouldn't. You know why you shouldn't? Because third place games don't matter. It's like a fictional event. I think I'm going to watch, though. Oh, me too. Yeah, I think it's going to be better than the championship. It's going to be fabulous. Yeah, you got Belgium and England. It's going to be kick ass. What's the best sporting event you ever attended, Tom? I don't really go to that many like memorable sporting events in like the context of oh that was such a great game. Well, then you why know, are you do you know go? what I mean? I mean? Why go then? I, I don't know. Well, I go to a lot of pit games too, so that uh, might, that might it, be yeah. when we pit beat Penn State two years ago at Heinz Field. That was pretty cool to witness in person, I'll, I'll, mainly because of the Penn State fans around me and watching them realize that their season just came to a crashing end in week two. That that was great. I've had a lot of people submit that one. Pit, pit over Penn State two years ago. Yeah. But Pitt like wasn't that good, you know what I mean? Neither team was ranked at that point in the season. Well, honestly, at the time, I think a lot of people thought Pitt was a better football team than Penn State. Yeah, yeah. but the way that it came down to the wire and the McSorley throwing the interception, yeah, McSorley throwing the pick, I think that is a game that a lot of people aren't going to forget, especially because it brought back the rivalry. I think that that's a classic game now in this rivalry because it had gone cold for so long. And it was such a great game, like you said, coming down to the very end. And when Penn State crossed midfield on their last drive before McSorley threw the pick, I thought there's no chance Pitt wins this game. It, it just looked like, because Penn State was rolling in the second half. They were scoring at will. Pitt couldn't do anything on offense, and I just thought it was over. And then that, I think it was Avante Maddox. I was probably wrong there, but that interception to end the game is... It's one of the most classic moments in Pitt football history, not just the rivalry. It was sick. Oh, it was awesome. It was sick. Uh, I didn't know who I was rooting for in that game. I still don't because I hate Pitt more than anything. But Penn State fans, when they're good, oh, my God, are they nauseating. That is a good one. Uh, Richie Walsh came after me on Twitter. He said 13-9. to Look, if you're a Pitt fan and you were there, it's amazing. If you're a West Virginia fan and you were there, it's the worst. Richie Walsh wasn't there. I'm calling him out on that one. Oh, you don't he think was he was there? not at that game. No, I bet you he was. He's no, probably covering it. No. He probably covered it. No. He probably ran there because he was the captain of the track team. Probably jogged his way down to Morgantown. 77 miles. It's only three-plus marathons. He could do it. His hair wouldn't move the entire jog down there, huh? So that's a good one or a terrible one, depending on which way you go. Josh Yoey tweeted in. He said this is a tremendous July radio topic. I, I tend to agree. Josh always said the 1995 AFC Championship game between the Steelers and the Colts where what's-his-face dropped the ball in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Jimmy Harbaugh slang in the rock. That's a good one. When Bam scored the touchdown with like two minutes left and the crowd went absolutely berserk, that's really good. If you were there 
I wasn't there. I was young. I heard a lot of people say that's one of their most memorable moments, too, because the Steelers at that time, they were the team that choked. The 94 AFC Championship game, they were favored big time. Lost that one. Now you move to the 95 AFC Championship game. The Steelers are trailing until Bam scores. So there's a lot of trepidation in the crowd, and I think that adds to the atmosphere. Like If you don't expect to win and then you do win, even though you should have expected to win, if you catch my drift, I think that makes it for a great game. 2008, though, AFC Championship game. Troy Polamalu's interception return against the Ravens. That's my favorite game I've ever been to. And my cousin, oh my God. It's fourth quarter. Joe Flacco's dropping back, and he's out getting nachos somewhere. It's 16-14. The Ravens have the ball, and he's out getting nachos. He was hammered. That doesn't help. Or it does. I mean, it was eh, fairly cold that day. Not like 2004 AFC Championship game. That's the coldest I've ever been in a game. And I was so young that I couldn't drink then. 2008, I shouldn't have been drinking. I was only 18, but let's face it, I was. You're going nuts. Got a lot of good contributions, though. The 2013 wild card game. Did you go to that one, Tom? I wasn't there. I was watching it from my dorm room, but I could imagine being in that crowd that night, especially when Cueto drops the ball. I went with my cousin, same cousin that we went to a bunch of games with when we were younger, and we had really good seats. I was broke. I spent all my money on those damn seats. And you couldn't talk to him. I couldn't hear what he was saying. I couldn't hear what our buddies were saying. You couldn't hear anything. It was the loudest crowd I've ever heard. It was louder, I thought, than the AFC Championship game. And maybe it's just the way that it's constructed. Maybe it's just because I was so close to the field. I mean, I was high rolling that day, let's be real. It was so loud. And when the Russell Martin home run happened after Johnny Cueto dropped the ball, pandemonium. Like, there was pandemonium after Troy Palomalo returned that for a touchdown, but it wasn't the same. It was like all of PNC Park simultaneously had an orgasm. That's a little Freudian slip for me there. Simultaneously. That's what happened. My boss at the time, Greg Henson, he was there. And I went up to meet him for an inning or two. That's the last thing I remembered because I blacked out. You know how they say PNC Park blackout? I obliged. Did everything I could. Get your submissions in at underscore Adam Crowley. Best sporting event you've ever been to. It makes for easy radio fodder at this time of the year. It lets me wax poetic on some of the great moments in Pittsburgh sports history. And for some reason, I got a bunch of Philly people jumping up in my mentions, too. I had someone talk about the Eagles Super Bowl this year. I had somebody else mention Villanova beating North Carolina. Uh, Get the hell out of here. I don't need you. Up next, Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com, is going to weigh in on Le'Veon Bell because it's Wednesday, and there's five days left until Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers could come to terms on a contract. It's a Crowley show. Adam Crowley. Come with me, and you'll see. It's a world filled with all the meat that you want. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Training camp just, oh boy, two weeks away. Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com, and the Steelers Radio Network joins me now. Lolly, are you ready, baby? I'm ready. Can you tell Tom to put his shirt back on already? Why? 
Nobody wants to see that. Whoa! No offense, Tom. It's oh, summertime. Offense taken. <laughs> it's summertime. How dare you? He took you out, man. Do you want to defend yourself? Defend yourself, Tom. Get in there. There's no need for me to defend myself. I, need... I love my body, and I don't need anybody else to love it for me. That's true. Uh, Dale, you shouldn't be body shaming people in 2018, okay? okay? I didn't body shame them about anything. I just don't think I should be running around without their shirts off. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. He works very hard at that physique. He does. Dale, so. Summertime, too. I mean, he I mean. just, he's just showing you off his hard winter like work. You guys are the ones who are body shaming. Whoa! Hi. Whoa! Now that's a take. He wants to keep I his never, shirt off. I never mentioned. I, I never once mentioned that, that uh, Tom's physique. You guys brought it, brought that up. I just don't think it's you know it's a good look for guys to be running around without the without the shirts on. Tomorrow, all. all of us are shirtless. Does it help that he's wearing Crocs, Dale? Mm-hmm. Uh. Only if he's pantless as well. Okay. Well, I can't Ooh. see down there, so I don't know about that part. But. Yeah, I can't see behind the board. Oh, yep, it looks up. Oh, yep, that is his yeah, penis. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, he is naked. Hey, Dale, I'm a little worried about the Steelers this year, and I can't put my finger on it, pun intended, but I think it's because they played so many close games last year that I feel like they could be due for a little step back if they play the same way this year. Um, I think... There's some validity to that, but I also think that, you know, when you look back at last season, um, you know, good teams find ways to win. Sure. I mean, that that's just, the, the, you know, what they do, and I still think this is a very good football team. Uh, I think, I think you know, maybe some people are a little bit of uh, complacency has set in with this team, that they, they don't, well, you know, yeah, they've, they've gone 13-3 and three and 12-4 and four and all this, but they've won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, that's that's valid, but at the same time, you can't take thirteen and three for granted. I mean, it, it, are they going to go thirteen and three again this year? Probably not. I mean, that's that was the tied for the second best record in team history, I believe, maybe third best. Uh, but you know that doesn't happen every year. But if they're twelve and four this year and they win the Super Bowl, does anybody care? No, I think they'd be happy. But that's just me. Five. You know, I mean, well, no, it, it, I, I I agree with that. I just think there's been so much talked about over the last couple of years that the route for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl is to get home field advantage and bring the Patriots here and deal with them on your turf. And I, I kind of subscribe to that. I think last year they had a really good shot to beat the Patriots. In my own personal record book, they beat the Patriots here at home, you know, with Jesse James not surviving the ground. If they win that game, hey, they probably do go to the Super Bowl. They don't have to deal with Jacksonville. Then New England comes back in here with the entire city going buck wild. I think they'd have a pretty good shot. But uh, I think this year, if you take a step backwards, maybe you're not a team that gets a bye, and then it could be an issue. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I just think that whenever you see these teams play a bunch of close games, usually a couple of them fall the other way. Like we saw the Oakland Raiders a couple of years ago. I think they won eight games that were within one score and then last year they were nothing. Now they haven't been as well, good as the Steelers think, of late. Yeah, but I think I, I think the I think the Oakland Raiders kind of returned to the norm. Yeah, I don't I don't think they were a very good football. That's true. Team. I think they were an average, you know, an average to slightly above average team. And and last year they, you know, just kind of the, the ball bounced the other way. I think the Steelers are a better team. I think they're one of the top, you know, five or six teams in the NFL. Um, you know, fans <laughs> what what Steeler fans think, notwithstanding, I mean they. They seem to think that the defense is atrocious and and, and it's just a train wreck. Uh, if you talk to Steeler fans, it's 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 one of the worst five defenses in the league. 
Um, <laughs> you know, it just it doesn't. It's but I think they have one of the top five offenses in the league, and I think if everybody plays to their expectations, um, this is going to be a good football team. Dale, if it is Le'Veon Bell's last year as a Pittsburgh Steeler, does this then represent the best chance to win a Super Bowl in the remaining Ben Roethlisberger era? First of all, I'm not ready to write this off as Le'Veon Bell's last year at this Really? I don't think that the the chasm is quite as big as many people are trying to make it out to be. Um, You know, people people say, oh, he wants $17 He's not going to get $17 He knows that. That's that's silly talk. You you can ask for anything. You, you know, he asked for fifteen million last year. Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to get it. You always ask for more than you're going to get. Uh, they're paying him fourteen and a half million dollars this year. He's on the books for that much money. So obviously they feel like he is he is worth that kind of money. So if if you're at fourteen and a half and he, he's wanting you know fifteen, it, again it comes down to the guaranteed money. Is he willing to take what the Steelers offer in guaranteed money, knowing that the way the Steelers do business is not to give out a lot of signing bonus money in the first year. The way they do business is to, is to give out a, a big contract with a big number in it, uh, like they did with Antonio Brown last year. But he didn't get a big signing bonus. But then when they turned his, you know, when they when they renegotiated this year, they turned a lot of that, that contract into signing bonus, and therefore then it becomes guaranteed money. And they do that so they can free up money under the under the salary cap. That's the way that they like to do business, and so you know if he's if he's willing to realize that that's the way they do things, and maybe they come up a little bit with what they're guaranteeing in the first year, I think this could still get done. What kind of percentage would you be willing to slap on that one, Lolly? Uh, you know, percentages, I don't know. I mean, I, they thought they had a deal last year, um, and it didn't it didn't come to fruition. Uh, but I think he's another. I think. The Steelers have more bargaining power this year than they did last because he's he's another year older. He has to realize that when he when he finishes out this year, he's going to be twenty a twenty seven year old running back. Nobody's giving a twenty seven year old running back a four or five year contract on the open market. It's just not going to happen. Dale, let's play a little hypothetical game then. If it is his last year, aha, <laughs> aha, see what we do there. Is this the best chance, then, that the Steelers have to win a championship in Ben Roethlisberger's remaining few years? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. he is—he makes them a much better team. Jerome Bettis was absolutely correct about that when he said that last week, um, that they need each other. They are not a better team without Le'Veon Bell. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the people who are out there saying, well, they could just draft somebody and replace it, must not remember Tim Worley. <laughs> Must I mean must not remember? You can go on down the list of running backs they drafted over the years in the first round. Uh, Richard Mendenhall, you know these are guys who were first round draft picks that were okay. They were okay football players. They weren't Le'Veon Bell. They weren't. I mean Richard Mendenhall had a really good year in 2010. They don't make the Super Bowl that year without Richard Mendenhall's contributions, and people like to overlook that as well. But he's not. He, I mean. Nothing that he he had 1,500 total yards that year. Le'Veon Bell, you can pencil him for right now for 2,000. Yep. I mean, it's just he's, he 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 makes you a so much better of a team that it's 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 not even close to anybody that you're going to draft coming you know this this coming year. Yeah, Dale, you and I are on the same page on this, and I, I waffled a little bit, but the more I think about it, 
it comes down to do you want to sign an aging running back to a long-term deal or do you want to try to replace him with the unknown? And I'd rather have the known get older than have the unknown that I don't know anything about. Well, think about this as well, Adam. You know, in a few years, you're going to have Mason Rudolph, uh, presumably, as your quarterback, as, as we sit here now. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger plays two more years or three more years, whatever it would be. Wouldn't you like to have Le'Veon Bell there for him to work with? That's true, too. One of the best running backs in the league. Uh, and, oh, by the way, you know, a guy who can I – mean, he's a great safety valve. He does, he does everything well. He does everything well except have breakaway speed. Now, people want to try to use that against him. That, that's fine. He still has 2,000 yards every year. 2,000 yards. Where are, you, where, are you, where are you replacing that production at? No, and, and, oh, by the way, Antonio Brown will be a couple years older. I was saying this on the show yesterday, but it seems like the Patriots, and they've had some talented teams, don't get me wrong, but the Patriots, they can outsmart you, and they've got that guy named Tom Brady. Everyone else, you, you need to have the best players. And when you've got a great player like Le'Veon Bell under your nose, you do everything you can to keep him. Uh, you might even go a little bit outside your comfort zone to keep him because he does just mean that much. Ben Roethlisberger is a much better player whenever he's able to do the things that he does uh, at his absolute best. Uh, Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Let me turn the page now to Antonio Brown for a minute. He turned 30 yesterday, which made it fun to look at the numbers that he's put up at 30 as compared to now uh, Jerry Rice, what he put up at 30. And, of course, Rice blows him away in terms of the touchdowns. But I contend that I think Antonio Brown might be the best football player I've ever seen. Now, I'm not a seasoned vet like you, Mr. Lolly. But he very well might be the best football player I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a similar piece a couple of weeks ago uh, on DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, saying that he's the best receiver in Steelers history. And, of course, you get the people, well, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Because, you know, Super Bowls are individual things. Um, the guy is the best wide receiver in Steelers history and might be one of the top five players in Steelers history by the time he's done. Think about that. You know, you're talking about a franchise that has, you know, the Joe Greens, the Mel Blunts, the Terry Bradshaws, the, the you know, Ben Roethlisberger's in there. Uh, it just he is he is a, a generational talent um, that I don't know that people truly appreciate seeing. I mean, I think they I think they appreciate watching him play. They don't necessarily appreciate the man. Um, if if you can understand what I'm saying there, I, I think they well, you know, you heard it last year. Oh, he's a distraction. He's this. He's that. Imagine not having him. I mean, he is—he is a generational player. You could, you know, if, if, if the Steelers said, "Hey, we're going to—we're going to make him available for trade," um, you might get three first-round draft picks for him. He's that good, even at thirty. Uh, Dale, should the Steelers trade Antonio Brown for three first-round draft picks? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, he, he is. He might be the best player in football right now. Yeah, I um, agree. Um, position, uh, you know, if you're not you know, taking position into consideration, all that stuff, uh, I look at him, I look at Aaron Donald uh, as guys who are um, as good as and game-changing as any quarterback in the league. Dale, if you had to, and this, I mean, that kind of answered the question, but if you take Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown in their primes when they're playing their absolute best, who of them was the best at their position. A.B.? 
Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think he is, again, it doesn't matter what teams do to him. It doesn't matter, you know, if they double him, they triple him. Um, he just finds a way to keep catching passes. And, and I know people say, well, you know, a couple of years ago, he didn't do much with Landry Jones, at quarterback. That doesn't mean he wasn't open. Right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> and he's still, even when he's on the field, he's a weapon. Dale, that's the biggest, that's the biggest yeah. misnomer that there was. Well, he's not putting up the stats. Yeah, look at the tape. Mother bleepers wide open at every freaking play. That's why he was going nuts. That's why he was, you know, <laughs> stomping around and saying, look, I'm wide open. Get me the football. Um, you know, I'm beating two and three guys here and you're not getting me the ball. Uh, you know, so that's the other thing about this is he opens up, you know, he and Le'Veon Bell both open things up for each other. But I think if you took, you take, Le'Veon Bell out of the equation. Antonio Brown's still Antonio Brown. We've seen that. Um, I think if you take Antonio Brown out of the equation, is Le'Veon Bell still as productive as he is right now? You could argue that that might not be the case because he's he's not seeing the safety in the box quite as much as some of, some of the other guys out there. Dale, I asked this question to Tim Benz earlier. This is kind of like the old DVE pregame show, uh, Crowley show here on July 11th. Um, but are you excited for preseason this year? I really am. I, I really can't wait to see what Mason Rudolph does. I, I can't wait to see how many snaps he gets, and I can't wait to see what he does with those snaps. Well, I can tell you how many snaps he's going to get, and it's going to be about 75% of the snaps. Yeah. You're going to see a lot, of, a lot of Mason Rudolph, and I think people are, this is going to be an interesting preseason because of that. Um, you know, I think people are going to want to watch these games because they're going to want to see, is he the quarterback of the future? Um, you know, and, and, you know, if, if it turns out that he has a preseason like Landry Jones did his first year out, and, and Landry was just awful, um, people are going to, oh, my God, he's terrible. They, they need to keep looking. That's not necessarily the case. Young quarterbacks do struggle in the preseason. They're out there with guys with, a, with a, you know, bad offensive lines, and, and you know, there's, there's not a lot of scripted plays. And so it's, you know, it, it's, it, it, can, it can look – lackluster at times um but you want to see him progress you want to see him get better and i talked to him at the end of um, at the end of mini camp and and that was the one thing he said you know i i, I struggled the first day of, of rookie ota or rookie mini camp uh and then i got better i thought i got better as each day went on he said i struggled at the beginning of, of the ota sessions uh but i felt i got better as the thing went on that's what you want to see you want to see that progression from him does he continue to learn? And he is a bright young guy, uh, very poised. And I, you know, I, I, if, if it comes down to, to that part of the game, I, I have no issues with that whatsoever with him. It's just going to come down now to the to the talent level, and I think he has it. But we'll see. You know what I kind of like about him, Dale, is he's he he seems like he's got a, a little bit of cockiness there. He, he's absolutely a confident young man, and he should be. I mean, he put up great numbers at Oklahoma. Um, State. Oklahoma State, I should say. Uh, he, but he probably did put up great numbers at Oklahoma, like he did at West Virginia. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. I knew where you were going there, you dirty bastard. We'll be, we'll be sitting at Sharkies in a couple of weeks, and you're just gonna be busting my balls about Big Twelve defenses. <laughs> but he, I mean, he did. He put up great numbers in college. I mean, they were they were video game type numbers. So why shouldn't he be cocky? Why shouldn't he feel like like he can do this? Um, that's what you want out of your quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is the same way. When he came in, I see a lot of young Ben Roethlisberger in Mason Rudolph. Uh, the way he, the way he commands the pocket, the way he, you know, moves around on the field. Now he doesn't have Ben's mobility of when he was young. I mean, he was off the charts. 
Um, but you see a lot of that same cockiness, that attitude, you, that it factor uh, that, that people talk about with quarterbacks. I mean, as much as you know, hey, you know me, I'm the biggest Landry Jones guy on the planet, probably. Um, you know, I think I think he gets a, a raw deal a lot yes, of times he does. in Pittsburgh. Um, but that's not Landry's. That's not his persona. Uh, he has that aw shucks attitude. You don't see that with 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 this kid. I mean, I think I think he uh, he has a, he has that cockiness that you need to play the position. Dale, really good stuff, man. Uh, as always, and maybe we'll talk next week. If not. I know where I'll find you in Latrobe. That much is yeah, you, for sure. Yeah, you know exactly where I'll be at around, uh, you know, I don't know, 8 o'clock every night. 8 o'clock. Maybe I'll be there a couple more times this year. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see if you've uh, actually let him drop this year. Whoa! Dale Lolly. See you later, pal. See ya. Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com. Comes after Tom. He comes out swinging, man. Wow. Man. He always takes out somebody whenever he comes on firing haymakers he does <laughs> he does he's just he's shooting from the hip he knows his summer's over and he's getting cranky yeah although man dale, dale loves training camp he does and yeah. i i love aspects of it too i just the older i get and this is this is real this is unabashed <laughs> honesty coming from the mouth of crowley right now i i wound up missing my home and my dog and my wife <laughs> my <laughs> wife pardon me and my dog and my home yeah, and what, what used to take you like two or three days to rebound from now takes you closer to like a week, maybe a week and a half. You, you don't have the rebound capabilities that you had even a year ago. If I drink on the first night of training camp, I'll be hung over until the first preseason. Game. Yeah, and it'll lead to the vicious cycle where you need to keep drinking to remain unhung over. Yes. So, and then by the end, and we'll have to deal with you for like two weeks here if you just like kind of sulking around, like getting your brain back to functioning and maybe getting it hydrated. Brian, I feel like death, man. Yep. And like five minutes later, what are we going to do on the show? I feel like death. I don't know. You got something to run back? We got to figure it out. I don't want to be here. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. It's a Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Maybe I decide those tits. Teats don't need milking. Oh, it's close. That was close. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The others don't need a squeezing. All right, let's play a little game of Would You Rather. You boys ready? Ready. Yeah, man. Would you rather talk about Pac-Man Jones in the airport? (laughs) <laughs> or the armless guy in Florida who stabbed someone. Wait, what? what? He did what? Uh, that's what I'm, that's where I'm leaning to. I think we're going to have to go uh, there. That's where I'm leaning to. I don't know how that happened. No. How do you stab a guy if you don't have any arms? I mean, I didn't do any research here. Yeah, you'd think a guy with no arms would be pretty harmless. Yeah. Or armless. Ha, ha, armless. <laughs> right to bare arms. Oh, no. Not for that guy. Not for that guy. <laughs> so he's picking up knives. Although he could use some bare arms, right? I'm sure he could just use some arms. Yeah. In fact, what's this mother bleeper getting into if he's got arms? Yeah, like, how many yeah. people are getting hurt if this guy's got a full working <laughs> ten digits there? Yeah. I mean, that ain't good. What, do you tie the arm? Okay, like, I need to know. Did you tie an arm to, like, a... Pardon me, to a nub? And, like... Is that how you do it? I'm on it. I, mean, I got to do some research here. I don't know what happened to this guy. Is he like set up like Merle in like Walking Dead with like the knife on the end of the nub? 
Is that what he's doing here? Oh, Merle had a nub. Yeah, remember? He, no. He had to cut his hand off to get away from the zombies oh, that's on the right. roof. Then he came back with, like, the knife attachment. What the hell goes on in Florida, too? Miami, even. Like, Florida's got... Oh, you should see this guy. Oh, my God. This guy is just... He looks like he's been through some stuff. He held a pair of scissors with his feet and stabbed 22-year-old Cesar Cordona. Like, thumbs down for Cordona's defense. Because, dude... Like, how do you how do you let that happen? I mean, according to the arrest report, Crenshaw says he was lying down when Cordonia approached him and kicked him in the head. Police say Crenshaw stabbed Cordonia twice and fled the scene. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> oh no! Wait a second. So our boy Crenshaw is just self defense here. They say never run with scissors, but what if the scissors are in your feet? A friend who was traveling with Corridonia said that they asked Crenshaw for directions when he suddenly jumped up and stabbed Corridonia in his arm. He was taken to the hospital. Crenshaw has been charged with aggravated battery. I just realized, like, directions would be a problem for armless people. You can't really, like, point. Wow, that's true. Yeah, I mean, just... just I mean, this guy can't drive a car, right? I would not think so. I would hope not. No, I think they make special things where you can, like, drive cars with your teeth. I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah, 100%. 100% you're, you're sure you're right? I'm 100% sure that they make apparatuses <laughs> that allow armless people to drive their cars with their teeth. I'm 100% sure. Tom, you're the producer. Look it up. Yeah, Tom. Find well, me information on how armless guy drives a car. Yeah. I, I mean, just don't tell me. Just make it happen. 1,000%, <laughs> he says. Come on. Oh, 100%, I know. I know. Dude, that is odd. There's just so much odd about that story. Like, for, oh yeah. Like for one, okay, he pulls a knife on you with his feet. You run. Scissors or scissors? Yeah, come on now. Pull scissors on you. They're with his feet, so you think would running would be the perfect defense, because he would have to put the scissors down to run after you. Yes. That would become a whole thing. Now wait a tick. Why is he not using a knife? I feel like it'd be harder to operate scissors with your foot. Well, it's just a guess here, but I'm thinking you can get a toe, toe in the scissor hole. Mm-hmm. So you can <laughs> you can get a toe in the scissor hole just to like lock the scissors into your feet. You know what I mean? Like you're holding them with your toes almost to where you kind of got to wrap around a knife. Like you've actually got things to stick your toes in. Am I thinking through this? No, I, no, I think that's a good theory. That's our. That's oh, that'll be the working theory for now. So toes were in the scissor holes. Yes, and he was. Thrusting about with his legs sitting in it from a sitting position. Imagine if he was under the assumption that he had righty scissors and they were lefty scissors. <laughs> I mean, that would throw a wrench in the whole thing. You got something, Tom? Yeah, apparently uh, they just learned to drive with their feet. Now that can't be right. That is. I see videos of them doing it. No, how can it tell? Okay. You said a thousand percent. Yeah, 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 I was wrong. Paint me a word picture on how you drive with your feet. Because one of them bastards needs to be on the on the ground. You need a paddle. You can share yeah. your right foot with the pedal and the brake. So, yeah. What so they you're do driving they, with your left foot? You have your left foot working the pedals or your right foot working the pedals, whichever you prefer. You lean back in the seat far enough so you can kind of get your knee past the <laughs> steering wheel. And you put your foot on the top of the wheel and you kind of just... You got it with that. Yeah, that ain't safe. Not that's, at all. That's pretty not at damn all. impressive, actually. Well, one thing you know, that guy's not texting and driving. <laughs> well, you don't know. He's probably got some tow game. Jeez. You know, I hope he doesn't get trapped in a uh, tow traffic jam.
Jesus, oh, man. What happened? <laughs> I thought I nailed it. <laughs> hey, I bet he's good at driving a tow truck. Oh! Nice. That's better. That was yeah, better than mine. All right. Okay. Yeah, darn it. That sucks. I'm mad. We'll just go with tow truck then. <laughs> hey, I'm a little tired. You mind taking the second leg of this trip? That's not bad. That was good. You like that one? I did. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't got anything else. I don't either. Something about heel. Uh, yeah, there's a good one. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you a standing ovation. No. He's armed to the heel. <laughs> no, he just went no. He's armed to the heel. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one. Pretty good. <laughs> so what do you say? I do the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun coming up in the next segment? I think so, but Sounds real quick, good. like that's that's another reason why you should never go to Florida. Just just saying. Kids be getting snatched up by alligators. You got crazy bleepers running around. Well, <laughs> Crawling around with scissors for toes. Edward Scissorfoot. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah! Football segment. Well, we can't do it. I, I need to milk the next two minutes of this clock <laughs> so that I can get to the football segment at the top of the hour. Is what I need to do. <laughs> And I do want to talk about Pac-Man Jones, but that would fit more, I think, in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. And, in fact, we need more than a minute and a half to talk about Pac-Man Jones, what yeah. he did at the airport. We could wet the whistle a little, I think. You think so? I think it could be a little bit of a wetting of the whistle. Well, I want to back see, into it. I want to tease it. I want to tease it. You want to tease it? I want to tease it real good. Yeah. Because I don't look at what Pac-Man Jones did <laughs> to be anywhere near as bad as what LaShawn McCoy is accused of doing. Uh, and you beat a woman, your domestic partner, that's horrific. Yeah, you roll her up in a, what was it? Did he, what was he? No, that was, I'm sorry, that's a whole other story. Never mind. Forget I said it. Okay, but, okay, so that's bad, though, yeah. that you're confusing two NFL players you know, for doing it is, horrific and that's, things. That's a great point, because it's like I'm running, this is, uh, what's his name, who uh, attempted murder on his... Is this Ray Carruth? Uh, uh, no, no. This is that was bad, recently. obviously. Greg Hardy? No. There's just so many of them. Ray Rice. You know, there, it's, there so are, it's funny that you can just name them off like that. It really is. But, I mean, I agree with you, Adam. Like, looking at what Pac-Man does, what I see is an idiot getting in a fight with another idiot. It's two guys who can take care of themselves, and it's, it's not some guy just, you know. Granted, Pac-Man looks like he might have gotten the best of him a little bit. He did. But still, that guy can defend himself. I think when you get into like your significant other, a kid, or a dog, or something like that, that's when it's just that's that's serial killer stuff. It is, and I, I think I'll get we'll get into this next. I actually think Pac-Man Jones didn't really do anything wrong. I'll tell you why when we come back, Ooh. and we'll do the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. It's the Crowley Show.